Growth is the fix for British finances. What is the right economic medicine for the UK? In my column on Wednesday, I argue that rebalancing the economy towards higher investment and higher net exports is a big part of the answer. Mine is a somewhat different perspective from that offered by Luke Johnson in the Financial Times this week. Labour, he argues, is, and I quote, an entirely fraudulent organisation that pretends to believe in business, then buries it in bureaucracy and tax. Five more years of Gordon Brown would leave Britain an economic wasteland. End of quote. I do understand his objection to the over-regulation and the over-complication of the tax system. A great deal has been lost since Nigel Lawson simplified taxation in the 1980s. But Mr Johnson makes two further assertions. He argues that, and I quote, the state's percentage of gross domestic product in Britain has risen from about 38% in 1997 to perhaps 52% today. Funding this vast amount of public largesse means the UK borrows 25% of all its state spending. Clearly the country is living beyond its means. End of quote. These points need to be put into context. First, the explanation for the sudden explosions in the share of public spending in GDP and the fiscal deficit is not that spending is out of control. It is instead that nominal GDP and tax revenue have fallen far below what was expected just two years ago. According to the 2010 budget, public spending will be just 2.2% higher this financial year than was expected two years earlier, despite the recession. But nominal GDP will be 9.3% lower and tax revenues 18.1% lower. The second qualification is that the country is not living beyond its means to any significant degree. The government is. Not only is the current account deficit modest, but the UK's net liabilities were only 13% of GDP at the end of 2009. On a consolidated basis, the chief creditor of the UK public sector is the UK private sector, not foreigners. Similarly, on a flow of funds basis, the dominant offset to the fiscal deficit is the UK's private surplus. The implication is that the single most effective way to bring the public finances back under control is greater demand and higher GDP. This needs higher investment and net exports and more dynamic supply. Measures that seek to close the fiscal deficit but destroy demand in doing so will not help. Fiscal austerity is just not enough. So what might be done? First, it will be extremely helpful to reform the taxation of companies to promote investment. In an interesting recent discussion of this issue, Andrew Smithers of Smithers & Co argues that a radical reform of corporation tax to end interest deductibility, offset by a much lower rate of tax, would reduce indebtedness and lower the pre-tax return needed to achieve a given post-tax return on equity. The result should be a bigger capital stock such a measure could be combined with higher deductibility of investment which would be helpful to manufacturing. A second issue is the promotion of net exports. The biggest part of the necessary change in incentives has come from the sharp decline in sterling. The trade-weighted real exchange rate on the JP Morgan measure is 10% below the average of the oil years between 1980 and 2007. 
Given the weakness in the production of tradable goods and the damage to financial services, it may well have to fall still further. Third, more attention needs to be paid to the long-term health of manufacturing, which still generates half of all export earnings. A recent report from Policy Exchange by my former colleague John Wilman notes that the UK is still the world's sixth largest manufacturer, with output similar in size to that of Italy and a little bigger than France. It argues persuasively that attempts to recreate a national manufacturing sector are senseless. Similarly, policies aimed at picking winners will surely fail, but some action is possible. Particularly important will be stronger links between industry and universities. Finally, we have the question of how to tighten the fiscal position. I would have no problem with conservative opposition to higher employers' national insurance contributions if they had not suggested that greater efficiency alone might replace it. With a need ultimately to tighten fiscal policy by a good £100 billion, or 7% of GDP, the UK must implement all the efficiency savings it can imagine, plus real terms cuts to public sector pay bills and services, plus tax increases. The parties are determined not to discuss these realities. If politicians treat voters like children, the voters will throw tantrums when cuts come. The Tories are saying some of the right things, notably over the need for a new economic model based on higher investment and savings. But none of it is fleshed out in any detail. Voters should evaluate the economic programmes of the parties against the following criteria. Do they promise a credible fiscal tightening while supporting rebalancing of the economy and higher long-term growth of supply? That is the huge challenge ahead. None of the parties as a convincing plan.